Welcome to the Parkway Life Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Uh, I want to talk to you today. i got two boxes up here. I'm trying to make this as visual as possible. And uh, we're going to talk today about these boxes on what, where you are standing. First off, we have, we have our soapbox. Anybody ever heard about a soapbox before? The hist- yeah, everybody's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the history of the soapbox is really complex. Um, they used to sell soap out of boxes, and that's about it. Um, that's the Wikipedia post. And so they had these boxes, and they would sell bars of soap. And when the soap ran out, you know what they did? They flipped it over, and it became a box. Um, There's nothing really special about it, but what happened is they used it as a platform to speak all this negativity. So it would be like, you know, this is for the age of TV and, and, and news and social media. So it would just be like, hey, I've got a problem with somebody. Time to let everybody know about it. <laughs> we didn't have any other way to tell everybody else, so this is the way. So you flip over old soapbox. Now it's time to roast everybody. And um, so this is where it happened. This is where you came out and you slammed your political opponent. This is where you came out and you said, hey, I've got a problem with Sally Mae. And you all need to know about it. And this, this is the place. And it kind of evolved into more of like a, a, more of like a place now on something called like a soap opera. You ever watch soap operas? Some of y'all were like, no, but you really do. I know you do. I'll admit, I did as a child without my parents knowing. Uh, you know when you come home from school and you're sick and you have to watch daytime TV? And there's nothing good at daytime TV. In fact, they have their own awards because they can never win anything else. And so you would come home and you'd watch daytime TV and it'd be soap operas. And, and uh, you, you all liked me, like, no, I don't watch that. I just watch, like, sports. <laughs> no, you turned it on, and then next thing you know, an hour later, you're wondering if Fabio's going to survive falling off the cliff. And you're like, oh, God, it's just Lord, make it through. Uh, uh, if you were here a few months ago, my daddy even said this. I didn't know this. My great-grandmother loved soap operas so much, she would pray for the characters on the soap operas. And that's probably my favorite story that's ever existed. Because I can just imagine my frail old great-grandmother just in the corner just travailing and just begging God to save John whoever and that he marries his third ex-wife again and they get back together and it's... But it's kind of evolved and now we've all heard the term like, oh God, they're about to get on their soapbox. And what happens from this box is drama, drama... Not just like, oh, it's a little drama, like, drama, like, the king of drama, like, negativity, gossip, lies, all that comes from our soapbox. Anybody, don't, don't raise your hand, okay, does anybody know somebody on their soapbox? They're just always on. Y'all are just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Y'all are like texting somebody right now, like, hey, you should really watch today's message. <laughs> Here's the link, it's on Facebook, man, you just be really good, you know. <laughs> We all know somebody that's on our soapbox, and so that's kind of a, we all know about that. But the matchbox is not really a term. I kind of made it up. But when we're on our matchbox, it's, 
It's, we're, we're not worried about drama or opinions. We're, we're making moves, man. We're, we're going forward. It, I like to say this, that a, a matchbox brings warmth into a life. If you know somebody that's on their matchbox, you know that they bring warmth. They bring positivity. And, and when you leave having a conversation with them, you feel better about yourself. Does anybody know anybody that's on that box? Everybody's like, yeah, that's me. I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. It was like, yeah, that's me. I'm definitely on that one. Now let me ask you this. Which one are you on? It's really easy to point out, like, oh, yeah, Susan's on her soapbox all day, every day. She lives there. She's got a house. Um, but it's really difficult when we start going, okay, now which one am I on? And it starts kind of hurting. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that kind of hurts. Uh, I, I want to point this, this concept out to you in Scripture because it's there. Uh, and let, let me set this up for you. The Israelites have been in captivity. They've been in slavery for hundreds of years. And they've been in slavery to the Egyptians. And it, it's been bad. It's been bad. And Moses comes. I'm, I'm really summarizing. Moses comes up to the Egyptian Pharaoh and is like, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And so God, like, gives them plagues, okay? So the Israelites are seeing their God move in the physical realm like they've never seen. They're seeing plagues come down. They're seeing staffs turn into snakes. They're seeing uh, the Egyptians' livestock is dying. There's boils. There's darkness. There's all these things that God is like, hey, Pharaoh, you should really let my people go or it's going to get worse. And he's like, no, you ain't got nothing on me. Watch this. And God's like, bet. Okay, so then death comes in, and he's like, final straw. Get your God out of here and leave. So the Israelites pack up and they go. They get to the Red Sea. Their backs are against the wall. And they literally see God move the water. Now this isn't in my, part of my message today. But I know there's people in this room today that know they have their backs up against the wall. There's no way I can escape out of this. I, I love that song we sing, Graves in the Garden. It says, he makes seas into highways. Your back may be up against the wall today, but my God turns seas into highways. He turns graves into gardens. You, when your back's up against the wall, he makes it a freeway. He, he's not a God that just lets you die. If he's going to bring you out of the problem, he, he's going to bring you out of it. And, and so they get out of, they get out of Egypt, and they, and they see their, their captors drown in the, in the Red Sea. And, and they literally see God move water, and they walk across on dry land. Can you imagine, can you imagine the faith you would have if you saw water part and you walked across, and as soon as you get across, you see your enemies swallowed up by it? You, I, I like to think that as soon as that would have happened to me, I would have been like, I would have never doubted God again. I've been walking around like, try me. My God ate the Egyptians with water. Like, like you, you ain't got nothing on me. But this isn't what happened. God says, hey, y'all are going to the promised land. I think that's really self-explanatory. If God just split the water and he promises something to you, he's probably going to keep it. So I'd like to think that the Israelites would have all of this faith. You would like to think that they were on their matchbox, that they were ready to go. But that's not what happens. They, they get to the edge of the promised land, and Moses sends spies into promised land to see Hey, what, what people live there? Who lives there? Let, let's figure this thing out. And then we pick up right here. The, the spies are reporting back to Moses. And this is what we get. Numbers 13, 27 through 32. This is what they reported to Moses. We went to the land where you sent us. It is really a land flowing with milk and honey. When I was a kid, I really thought they had rivers of honey. 
and I've always wanted to swim in honey. I know I wouldn't go nowhere, but I think it would be really cool that if in heaven God was like, Alec, here's your river of honey. I want to go whitewater rafting down honey. Anyway, sorry. Um, that was random. Um, there's really land flowing with milk and honey. Here's some of its fruit. But the people who live there are strong, and the cities have walls and are very large. They even saw the descendants of Anak there. That's Goliath's family, if you didn't know that. So those are some big dudes. Um, that's his cousins and stuff. They're like tall guys. Okay, so they're nervous. The descendants of Anak are there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the mountain region. And the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and all along the Jordan River. Caleb told the people to be quiet and listen to Moses. Then Caleb said, let's go now and take possession of the land. We should be more than able to conquer it. That sounds like somebody that's on their matchbox. But the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They're too strong for us. So they began to spread lies among the Israelites about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored is one that devours those who live there. All the people we saw there are very tall. They got in their matchbox. Ten out of the twelve spies said, uh-uh, ain't no way. We saw tall people. We short. It ain't about to happen. I know we just took out a whole, I know we just saw God take out literally an entire army, but we can't do this. So it gets so bad, the text goes on to say that those ten spies continue to spread lies, and the people, the Israelites, got so mad at Moses and so scared that they said, Moses, if you take us into that land, we're going to kill you. They just saw all this incredible stuff happen, and they're saying, if you take us in there to God's promised land, which I think is so ironic, we're going to kill you. So Moses, who has been on his matchbox his whole life, switches to the soapbox. And because of this, God tells Moses, you will never enter into the promised land, Moses. And he makes the Israelites wander for 40 years. 40 years. Your position to your opposition will determine your verdict. How you're positioned in God's promise will determine your verdict. Moses had already been promised the land. The Israelites had been promised the land. All they had to do was go and take it. But their position didn't allow them to. Being on the wrong box has real consequences. Mark 6 and 5 says this, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. This is talking about Jesus. You know, like raised from the dead, like doing miracles, walking around, like changing the world. Jesus, he went back to his hometown his hometown, and they said this, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people. When he walked back into his hometown, they're like, isn't that just Joseph's boy? <laughs> I remember him just running around like, he can't do nothing to me, I, but I, I, I'm over here on my soapbox, man. That kid, that kid used to drive me nuts. Like, <laughs> ain't no way he could heal me. Ain't no way. It's the only time in Scripture we see where Jesus couldn't do something is because of their soapbox belief. 
that if they just had switched to their matchbox, things would have been completely different. They could have, they, they could have received miracles. They could have been healed. They could have been set free. But because of their position to their opposition, they weren't allowed to win. Sadly, right now, I, I see this, this more than ever in Christians. It's sad. Uh, we, we, we've turned our, our, our soapbox <laughs> is now our social media. And I love social media. I'm on it all the time. So I'm not preaching against social media. What I'm preaching against is what we do on it. We've turned social media into our soapbox. We let everyone know everything that's going on in our life. Like, if your relationship gets complicated, you got to let everybody know that it's complicated. Like, I don't, okay? Like, why? We let everyone know about everything. Everything. It's a place just filled with drama. I can't tell you in the past few weeks how much I've considered just deleting social media. But you know why I didn't? Because I love the drama. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be honest with you. But it's where we go to, to post all of our opinions. It's where we go to bash each other's political leaders. It's where we go to bash your party. It's where we go to, to roast you. It's where we go to spread news about you and rumors about you and hates. And I, I just don't see a lot of positivity on there and it's, it's, it gets bad. There's more negativity on social media than I've ever seen. And I, I, I've seen this. Some of us have posted more about the election than we've ever posted about Jesus. I'm just going to be honest with you. We've lost sight of our goal. We've gotten confused with where our home really is. This is just our temporary home. This isn't our forever place. This is our temporary. We've gotten mixed up that, oh, we've got on our soapbox. I, I, I want to tell you this real quick. I, I know we're all tired of hearing politics, but let me just tell you this for just a second. Jesus is not a Republican. Jesus is not a Democrat. Jesus is not a libertarian. Jesus does not fit into your political party. And if I can beg you to do one thing, is please stop bending scripture to fit your politics. I'm so tired of it. We got to get our focus off the business of the USA and back on kingdom business. We're on a mission here. This is this, we're, we're a little confused. We've gotten it mixed up. That we, we, we've said, no, it all rides on this election. No, no, no. It all rode on a man 2,000 years ago who died for me and you. It doesn't ride on this election. It rides on my Savior. We've gotten it mixed up. We've gotten it mixed up. We've gotten a little bit on our soapbox lately. And today I just want to remind you let, let, let's refocus a little bit. Let's get back on our matchbox because we don't have time to be doing all this. There's people out there that need Jesus, and we're concerned about who's in office. Oh, I, I don't, I, 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 I've, we've just lost our focus. Listen, you are not the child of a political party. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens when you become the child of a political party. Whoever their leader is becomes your father. When you allow yourself to be the child of the blank party, whoever leads that party is now your father. you got to remind yourself that you're a child of God, and God is your father. It don't matter what no opponent says, what a political, who voted in, God is your father. What are you worried about, man? He split the sea so you could walk through it. Come on. Isaiah 9.6 says this. I love this. I never caught this before until I looked a little bit closer. 
Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born. This is prophesying about Jesus. To us a son is given, and listen to this, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. God didn't say, hey, I'm going to be your candidate, or hey, I am going to be the leader of the blank party. <laughs> no, no, instead he said, it's, I'm not going to lead it, it's going to be upon my whole shoulders. Like so many times we look at our politics and we say, God, if you could just lead them. Through. No, what are we worried about? He holds the whole thing together. The whole world, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Upon his shoulders. We're getting worried about the wrong thing. Philippians 4.8 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Not once does it say, hey, think of the negative stuff. That'll really help you through the hard times. I think a few verses later it says, think of all the stuff that is bad and dwell on it. Play a sad song. <laughs> Get on social media, complain about it. That'll help you a lot, I promise. That's what it says, right? Oh, no, no. Think of things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Not once does it say, think of negative things, go gossip, go spread bad news. No. See, with the word gospel, what it means is good news. <laughs> so what I need us to do is stop spreading bad news, stop spreading fake news, <laughs> and get our minds on the good news. It's a lot better. It's a lot better, I promise. No, you, you were called to be positive and not negative. You may say, Alec, I've heard people say this, Alec, I'm just a negative person. I cannot help it. I took the Enneagram test. I'm negative. I can't help it. I can't help it. I took the Myers-Briggs. I'm a, Alec, I'm a nine. I'm an eight, Alec. I just can't. That's who I am. Hmm. It's in my bloodstream. I just roll my eyes. Are you kidding me? And they say, I just can't change. I'm like, you know what? Actually, you're right. You can't change. <laughs> uh, but Jesus can change you. And you say, no, 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 Alec. You don't know my situation. You don't know who my parents were. My grandparents were. It was bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, and you, I can't change. I can't change. Uh, let me just remind you of one person in the Bible. His name was Saul. Oh, no, wait. It changed to Paul. Uh, he, he killed Christians. Don't know if you know that. Murdered Christians. Hated them. And he came into contact with Jesus, and all of a sudden, he wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, you can change, too. I, I don't remember a time where Paul ever reverted back to murdering Christians. He stopped murdering, and he was like, uh... His way is better. I'm going to be on the positive side from now on. Listen, your, your opinions don't make a difference, but the love of Jesus does. When we get on our soapbox, our opinions, we spill our opinions, because this is the place, this is the spot right here of opinions. This is where we spill our opinions, right here. And this, this is the place of truth. And when we speak our opinions, they can't make a difference. 
for the love of Jesus does. John 13, verse 5 says this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Listen to this. If you love one another. Not, not if, if, if you vote correctly. <laughs> That's not how they're going to know you're Christians. I've had people ask before, how, how, do I, how do I win my friends to church? How do, how do I show my friends Jesus? <laughs> What's this verse say? They will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Your post on Facebook is not going to convince anyone to change their stances on anything. <laughs> it never has. I've seen a lot of posts. I still think the same way. <laughs> You're not going to convince anybody to vote differently, to love differently, to hate differently. But your love can spark a fire that ignites someone's hearts. Our, our, our <laughs> motto in one's students is this, is to make heaven crowded. Isn't that a good motto? I think it's good. Make heaven crowded. I want to be shoulder to shoulder up in there. <laughs> Make heaven crowded. If we're going to do that, we can't be a group of people that speaks negatively about everything. I heard, I heard somebody say this one time. I wish the only bad thing people could say about Christians is that they loved too much. Can you imagine? People got a lot worse stuff to say about Christians. <laughs> What if all they could say is that Christians loved too much? You have to be the spark. Your love will be the spark that kills drama. You have to be the spark. The most recent wildfires in California were devastating, burning thousands of acres, destroying the land. But do you know how it started? One spark. They tracked it back down to a baby gender reveal, uh, which are getting out of hand in general, just in my opinion. <laughs> just way out of hand. Um, <laughs> like blowing stuff up, and it's just blue powder. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but one spark started a complete wildfire. Burned everything down. Your love is that spark. People look at the church and they say, the staff's got to do more. They've got to get to my friends. If I can get them to church, then maybe the staff can love on, on my friends. Maybe they can win them. I, I don't think that's what the Bible says. We're, listen, the staff at Parkwood will do everything we can. We'll work our fingers to the bones to get make heaven crowded. But we, we've lost sight of this, okay? I'm about to reveal something to you. We, this, these building is, is not the church. It's, you are the church. We've gotten it mixed up. You are the church. So if I can just get my friend to church, yeah, that's awesome. Let's do it. Let's pack this place out. But even more importantly, if you don't love, they will never enter into this place. If you can't show them the love of Jesus every second of every day, they will never enter into here. It is your job. I will do everything in my power to get all of the youth of Southeast Texas into heaven, but I can't do it alone. I need the church's help. I need 
your help. You. You have to take that responsibility upon yourself of saying, I, I am not just an accident. I'm not just here to live out life, make some money, have some kids, and then die. No. This is your temporary home. You're here to make heaven crowded. Let's pack the place out. And it starts with your love. Now, here's, here's what it looks like to be on your matchbox. Here's what it looks like. You ready? Take notes. This is, this is big. It's a lot. I'm about to throw a lot at you. Okay, you ready? What does it look to be on my matchbox? Love. That's it. <laughs> uh, everything else will follow. <laughs> everything else will follow. The Bible says this. God says this. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you fall in love with Jesus, everything else will be taken care of. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, the same love that he is shows through you. The same love. I want you to love people too much, Parkway. I say, Alec, what do you mean? Uh, I want you to love people too much like Jesus did. Jesus loved people too much, too much, and they put him on a cross for it. The enemy hates love. They put him on a cross for it. You know why? Because they had rules on, on how to love and how, how to save, and he, he broke them. Because Jesus touches the untouchables, and he heals the unhealables. And he saves the unsavables, and he loves the unlovables. The Bible calls us to be more like Jesus. Therefore, we must love the unlovables. I can't save them, but his love does. His grace does. I want you to love people so much that you invite them to church. I want you to love people so much that you invite them to dinner and you just love them. I want you to love people so much that the people that hate you forget why they hate you. Because the church will never grow. Heaven will never get crowded if, if we can't love. And the church talks a lot about love, but it's vital. Jesus talks a lot about love. Because our, we're naturally skeptical. We naturally don't love. It's hard for us to love. It's hard for us to give people our love. But Jesus gives it freely. And if we're going to be more like Jesus, we have to get off of our opinionated soapbox and back onto our matchbox. Would you stand with me today? Joshua 24, verse 15 says this. I love this verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, I want us to ignite a fire in our homes. Because it's got to start with us. If you want the empty seat next to you filled, if you want heaven to be more crowded, it starts in our homes. We have to set the precedent in our private lives by ourselves. So I want, I want to do something a little different today. We're, we're going to sing a song that I just absolutely love. But what I want you to do is if you're by your family, I would love if you could just grab their hand. You can grab the hand of a family member. And we're going to sing in just a minute. But while we sing, 
I want us to decide as a family that we're going to love the unlovables. We're going to love the Republicans. We're going to love the Democrats. We're going to love whoever's president. We're, we're going to love whoever's in the Senate. We're, we're going to love. We may not agree with everything they say, but we're going to love. And when you become a Christian, you kind of lose your right to all your opinions. <laughs> it's, it's not fun because <laughs> I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> doesn't mean you, you lose your opinions, you just lose your right to all of them, and publicly. So what I challenge you to is in your homes this week, hold each other accountable to the love of Jesus. That when you see stuff online and when you see the negativity, that you love so much that people get annoyed with your love. Love people so much that you lose count of all the times you say you love them. Love your family so much that the tide starts changing in your relationship with your kids and your fathers and wounds begin to heal because love conquers everything. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing and I want us to worship as families. If you're single in here, you're part of the family, okay? So I want us to worship together. But for a second, I just want us to take a moment and for yourself, I want you to decide that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and the way we will do that is we will love until we get heaven so crowded we can't cram nobody else in there. Jesus, we're so thankful to be loved by you. A love that we didn't deserve. A love that we could never earn. Jesus, that you're, you loved us so much that you died for me. And you called us to love like you did. You called us to start a fire. You called us to, to be on our matchbox and our soapbox, Jesus. We are not called to stand still. We're called to move and keep moving forward, Jesus. Our opinions don't matter. The world's opinions don't matter. God, we got to get back on our matchbox and we have to love. So today, Lord, I pray you, you pour out your love once again. A love that you give out freely. And as the, as the people of Parkway Life Church take the step from our soapbox and onto our matchbox, that you start a revival within our hearts, within our homes, within our communities, that we lose track of how much we love people. That the people that have been pushed away by, by religion and church hurt and, and by people who have wronged them come back to you, Lord. The prodigal son returns home, Jesus. I pray over the families of this church that we would become stronger together, Lord, that we're, we're, we're better together, and that our homes become more on fire for you. And then we do what the Bible says, our cups begin to overflow, that once we fill the love up at home, it begins to overflow into the rest of our families and our coworkers and our communities, Jesus. I pray for a revival of love. Revival of love, Jesus.